pray together. Lord, as an act of gratitude and worship to you, we have presented our gifts. We acknowledge that you're the God from whom every good and perfect thing comes. You have been faithful. You have been generous. Lord, what you have done yesterday and today should surely give us confidence for tomorrow. So Lord, no matter what each of us is facing today, we trust you. We look to you and we thank you. Receive our gifts and know that this is our worship. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad that we can finally get together and do this again. And it is my honor to, to be delivering the, the word of God to you today. And, you know, I really want to focus on the word of God. And the reason I say that is because there really are too many sermons that I've heard that use the word of God as perhaps an excuse to talk. And so let's focus on God's words. Let's just go right into it. So we're in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. I hope that I'm not going to use the word of God just so that I can have an opportunity to come up here and talk. But in Luke chapter 17, we're coming upon a story that perhaps many of us have heard before, that we're very familiar with. And and it's one of those stories that's, that's often, uh, sadly, relegated to Sunday school or Awana. But in Luke chapter 17, verse 11, it reads this way. On his way, and that's Jesus, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So let's pause and notice the setting. You know, Jesus is traveling. He's on his way somewhere, and we're told he's heading with, I expect, great determination and focus to Jerusalem. And we know he's not headed there for a casual visit, because as if we were to keep reading, we'd find he's actually heading for the cross. It's nothing inconsequential, as I think we all understand. It is about the most serious and important thing that there is. He's heading to Jerusalem for Passover. And even though Passover is such an important, holy, holy season, it's, this is no normal Passover either. This is the Passover that all of history has been looking forward to and all of history that is to come will look back to. Because this is the Passover, the season when Jesus will go to the cross and he will lay down his life for sinners like you and me. He is the perfect Lamb of God who must once and for all go to Calvary's cross to take away the sins of the world. 
to ransom sinners like you and me. To the most significant days in history. He's heading there, I mean, and you know, it's, it's a long journey because people walk in those days. That's the most common way of travel. And we're told that he's on the border between Galilee and Samaria. He's quite a bit up north of Jerusalem. But we're not even told what town. It's some inconsequential town. So forgettable that Luke doesn't even bother to record the name of this town. Maybe the town is so inconsequential that no one could remember what the name of the town was. They just remember this happening. But Jesus, who is about to enter this town, is distracted, called to attention as lepers cry out to him, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And notice these men calling out. They're not just calling out. It says that they do it in a loud voice. They're raising their voices. They're shouting to him. Singularly, in this loud voice. And they've probably had a lot of practice shouting in a loud voice. Not because lepers are are just good at shouting, but because the law required them to stay far away from people, healthy people. And it was their responsibility to make sure that healthy people stayed away from them. So they were required to call out, warning people, unclean, unclean. And here they cry out to Jesus in unison, Master, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. You know, leprosy was a name given to a group of many different ailments. They usually appeared and manifested on the skin. Some were curable, some not so much. It did include what we commonly think of today as leprosy, Hansen's disease, which can lead to disfigurement, you know, the losing of parts of your body, even death. But leprosy also included rashes and sores, lesions, dry, patchy skin, probably what we call today, you know, eczema, itchy skin, discolorations. I mean, that's a wide variety of things that can be called leprosy. And the law of Moses required that lepers be separated from their families, from their neighbors, their communities, their synagogue, in order to protect the public. So unable to commune with anybody else, they would form these colonies, associating with the only people they could associate with, other lepers. And it is these lepers whose uncleanness has made them amongst the most marginalized people in the world, lowly, sorry people. It is from these that 10 men cry out to Jesus for mercy, for pity. And Jesus is presented with a ministry opportunity which wasn't on his Google calendar. He's on the way to Jerusalem. He's on the Father's mission, making a beeline for the apex of human history probably after a busy day of teaching and preaching, perhaps healing. At the long day, 
At the end of a long day of travel, Jesus takes that off-ramp to this unknown town, perhaps to get his meal, to get rest for the next day. Why else would he stop at such, an, at such a forgettable, unnamed town? But why indeed? You see, my friends, where Jesus is and wherever Jesus goes, life is happening. All kinds of people with all their wrinkles, their spots, their blemishes, their warts, brokenness and deprivation, they're waiting for him. And Jesus is ever seeking his Father's glory. Surrounded by darkness and dread, the eternal Christ is also constrained by time, human strength. Yet he's available for his Father's glory. When and where are we missing out? And opportunities to witness the glory of God manifest around us. Because perhaps we put the close sign up too soon. Because we've said, it's my day off. Because we said, I'm busy. I'm tired. I'm finished. Or maybe it's just simply, God, I won't go there. I won't do that. Jesus has his eyes fixed on Jerusalem and the cross, but he is not deaf or blind to those around him in the kingdom of God. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And we're told when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. Jesus is always available to the glory of God. So Jesus is not only available to the glory of God in his ministry, to the broken and the wrecked, Jesus ministers to them in ways that matter to them too. Does that sound like a novel idea? That our ministry to men and women and children should matter to them? Should be meaningful to them? Should make a difference to them? You know, it's what we... It's a word that we use, I hope never gets tiresome. His work, his ministry, his presence is relevant to the lives of people. It is interesting that Luke doesn't provide any information about how compassionate Jesus was, how warm he was, and kind he is to the ten lepers. Luke doesn't even say that Jesus broke his stride on his way into town, or that he turned and approached them, or that he even looked at them let alone do something as radical as he did back in Luke chapter 5, where he touched a leper. Here, there seems to be a conspicuous aloofness, and yet Jesus is not unattentive. He is not unconcerned. To the lepers cry for mercy for their pitiful condition, Jesus simply tells them, show yourselves to the priests. And this is the protocol prescribed by Moses. In the law, that it is the priests who can declare you clean. They are the ones who can give you the the clean bill of health. It's like telling them, go to the doctor. Let him confirm. Go to the health department. Make sure. And according to the law, it's the priests 
who have this job. It is the priests who can bring the lepers back into community, into fellowship. All has been lost because of this dreadful disease, and it is the priests who will restore them. So perhaps Jesus is tired, perhaps he's hungry, he's busy. I don't know. Luke's brevity of detail indicates really that none of this is important. Aloof or not, clinical or not, cold or not, busy or not, tired or not, hungry or not, Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest. Jesus gives them what is valuable to them, what is meaningful to them, what will benefit them, what will make a difference to them. His response is relevant. They understand immediately, don't they? Because what does it say? It says they, they left. What amazing faith that they had. And they went. They were cleansed. What great faith they have that they would start off for the priests before even checking themselves. They just took Jesus' word and they went to the priests. And it is in their faith-filled moment as they are going that they realize they've been healed. Before their eyes have even seen in faith, they are off to receive their clean bill of health. You know, over the last couple of weeks, as I've been just meditating on this very familiar text, as I read this passage, I wondered how pervasive was leprosy? And I have a feeling it was a lot more common than whatever official records would have shown. Can you imagine when a diagnosis of leprosy meant you had to leave everything you love and care about behind? You couldn't even go to church. I know what I would have done. I would have started putting on more clothes, longer sleeves, gloves, socks, anything to cover those terrible spots and blemishes. Lest somebody think I too was unclean. I wonder, do we do that today? Some of us have become very skilled at getting dressed in such a way that nobody knows that anything's wrong with us. In fact, the church and those of us who call upon the name of Jesus, who know from what we have been saved, the stain of sin. We've become all too good, haven't we, at hiding our sin and shame. And it is because we recognize that there is, in fact, we confess to him, yes, I am unclean. And that's where we find our hope. That's where we find our salvation, our healing, our restoration. You know, Paul tells us sin has affected us all in this same way. Because of our sin and sinfulness, there is no one righteous. Not even one. We, are, we have all sinned and we have all fallen short of God's standard, his mark, his glory. Our sin deserves judgment. 
We just deserve it. It's common sense. We know that if somebody does wrong, they deserve to be punished. There are consequences to our actions. The Bible tells us we deserve judgment, separation, even death. And all are blighted by this sin. Somewhere there's sin for all the world to see and even boast about it. But we are all sinners. Some of us disguise it well. But we are all sinners. Like leprosy, it doesn't matter if you have a little or a lot. We all have it. Early stages are advanced, curable or not, visible or invisible. Leprosy is leprosy, and the consequences are the same. We are separated. We are judged unclean. Friends, this is what sin has done to the world. This is what it's done to us. What a dreadful predicament. But as I considered these faith-filled actions of these ten lepers, the anticipation, the boldness, the, and even obedience to what Jesus tells them to do, that they would cry out to Jesus from a distance, doing exactly as he commanded, my thoughts go back to Paul again, who reminds us that the scripture says anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference, no difference between Jew or Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, say with me, will be saved. Yes. Those who are probably considered among the most hopeless cases of all people, shout to Jesus for mercy, for help, for relief, for deliverance. And Jesus was not impotent, was he? They must have heard the stories, stories told of his great power to cast out demons, power to give sight to the blind, to feed thousands, even to raise the dead. But why should he pay them any attention that they would dare call out? None of them knew Jesus. And Jesus, I guess, didn't know them. At least not in the way that we might know an acquaintance or a friend. What would lead these ten lepers to desperately cry out to Jesus for mercy? What hope did they have who do they think they were, these castasides, the lowest of society? And what do they know that would make them call out? Especially, what do they know about Jesus? Because nothing about them made them worthy of his time or his attention. After all, they were each and every one of them lowly, dirty, unclean, untouchable. But somewhere they must have heard that Jesus is not cruel or aloof. As so many authorities they've met probably could be. No, they had heard he is a kind master, a willing master, as so many who are not, that he was welcoming. He was approachable. 
Luke doesn't even say. How Jesus responded, except his words. But they call out to him, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And having called upon the name of the Lord, friends, they are saved. They are saved, crying out to Jesus. And I'm confident that I'm surrounded in this room by brothers and sisters, men, women, boys and girls, who have done as I have done. They have cried out the name of Jesus and you know you are saved. In grave desperation for life cleansing and life giving power, the power of God, many of us here have called upon that name, the name of Jesus, and we are healed. We are whole. We have identity. We have purpose. There's meaning to our life. There's hope. There's life. Our sins are forgiven and resurrection is promised to us. Eternal life. At the cost of what? God's own son who shed his blood and died on the cross. We're going to celebrate that in a little bit as we go to the table. But if you weren't aware, why do we go and drink from the cup, why do we eat the bread? It is for this, to do it in remembrance of him. Because it was the Son of God who paid the penalty for our sins. So that if we would trust what he has done for us, that God would say to us, get this, God would say to unclean ones like this, you are clean. To unrighteous ones like us, you are righteous. And why? Because we're so darn good looking? Because we're so intelligent and so skilled, so well-educated because we live in fancy houses or drive nice cars? No, it's none of those things. There's nothing about us that deserved anything good, let alone something so good as Jesus. It wasn't even our apologies, our recognition of our sin. Because what does the word say? God demonstrates his love for us this way, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. God didn't even wait for an apology. He just went for it. It's because God loved us and took pity on us. God already had a positive regard for sinners, and he does today. Even though we deserved his wrath, he pours out his grace, amazing grace. That's what he has done for us. That's what we see the lepers experiencing here. But it's curious because as we read on, we find out in verse 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. He was one of the Gentiles. He was one of, maybe worse than a Gentile to a Jew. And Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to, re found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? 
Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. So can you begin to imagine the effusion of wondrous joy and relief experienced by these lepers when the faith which had given them that spontaneous reaction to just run, to go to the, to the priests. And suddenly their faith becomes sight as they notice, wow, look at me. I'm healed, completely healed. There's anyone here who has survived a life-threatening ailment or an accident that should have killed you or maybe um, you've recovered from abuse that should have destroyed you, personal failure that should have ruined you, or foolish decisions that should have just shattered your dreams. If you've recovered from that or if you've made it through that, maybe you get a sense, or I guess if you've been healed from leprosy, you'd understand how they felt. For the rest of us, we don't really need to imagine, do we? Because it's recorded right here. The response of this one leper is given to us by Luke. And it's the Samaritan's response. And we're told, he threw himself at Jesus' feet. Literally, it says that he fell on his face. But I get what the NIV is trying to do. That's what I'm looking at today. I, I get what the translators of the NIV are trying, trying to show us. I mean, this guy was so thankful, he couldn't get to the ground fast enough. He threw himself. Can you imagine yourself hurling yourself at something because you can't wait to get there? You know, I'm, I'm old enough that, you know, there used to be rock concerts with general admission. Everybody gets the same-looking ticket. And whoever can get to the front row first gets the front row. And they put that out of commission. Why? Because I think it was in Philadelphia, there was a stampede of people going to a rock concert, and they literally trampled each other, hurling themselves to the front row. This is a man so thankful, so grateful, he cannot wait to get back to Jesus, to throw himself, hurl himself at Jesus' feet so he can worship and praise him. And I guess I wonder, begs the question, when, when was the last time I was so thankful to God that I could not wait to get in front of him and thank him? I could not wait to throw myself at his feet See, this man, he didn't care if anybody saw. He didn't care about dignity. He wasn't calculating. He wasn't trying to figure out what would look the coolest. Should I raise my hand this much or this much? He threw himself at Jesus' feet. And brothers and sisters, if you have experienced the amazing grace of God, I ask you and I ask myself too, when was the last time I just threw myself at Jesus and said, thank you so much for what you've done for me? Or like, I didn't want to get up. And it was Jesus who had to do what he does to this Samaritan it's like, okay, now, now, I got, okay, that's enough, that's enough. Get up and go. You're, 
Your faith has made you well. You know, the Samaritan doesn't get up. Jesus has to tell him to get up. It's like, that's enough. All right, I got it. You're grateful. Go. I mean, I'm, I'm probably being a little facetious here, but to the point where we are just clinging to his ankles and we can't let, we won't let go. And Jesus says, okay, will you let me go now? And today, you know, we're going to have the worship team come and lead us in, some, in a couple more songs. We're going to come before the Lord at his table. And we're going to spend some time in prayer too. And I want to ask you, without measure and calculation, without considering what the person next to me or the one behind me might think, let's just, let's just give him all we've got. Let's thank him. Let's show our gratitude for his amazing grace. And it's going to mean different things for different people. I don't know, maybe we're going to have a crowd of people who just throw themselves right here at the cross. But however you can express it, let's let him know. We have not forgotten what he's done for us. We are a grateful people. Let's pray.